Hello, this is Brother Jerry, the pastor here at Friendship Baptist Church, and you are about to watch one of our messages. I hope that during this time that you would prayerfully listen. I hope that the Lord speaks to you, that he uses this message to help you grow. I hope you're able to experience God. I hope you're able to connect with him and connect with our church. I hope that you're able to respond to what he's doing in your life. I hope you enjoy. May the Lord bless you during this time. Um, it's been a blessing. Thank you all for your prayers over the last weekend. We got uh, uh, three new ones on Friday, and so uh, two of them are sitting in here. You have Caleb and Isaiah, and you have Annabelle's in the back. And so we got two, four, and six are the ages. And so uh, they're sweethearts, and um, I told them they're listening really good today. They said, I said, you put your big ears on as we come in here, and uh, they're doing really good. So just pray for us as we go through this transition, and and uh, really excited about the village that we have. I've already seen it this morning of, of 
times that I'm already taking the side and somebody else just walks right in. Like uh, Monica came right in this morning, set them down, got them some uh, things. And so y'all are just a sweet blessing. And I want y'all to know that. And so thank y'all for the that. And we do that for all of our kids, I hope. And so pre- please pray as we uh, just love on our children. We have um, next week, I hope you had a, a happy new year, I hope you had a Merry Christmas, um, and this next week we're excited about January the 10th starting our Sunday school classes back up, and so that's a, a real blessing um, to be able to get back into our small groups and to get that going. We did the 10th to give us a little bit of time after families got together for New Year's and Christmas to make sure we don't have a spike up, and so we're going to be watching that, make sure we don't have any spike up, and then we'll go to Sunday school next week, and so looking forward to that. Also wanted to do Friendship 101 next week I have a family already that's going to be there if anybody else is interested in this class it's just a simple class of walking through what it means to be a member of Friendship Baptist Church what that looks like if you have any questions we talk about the gospel more and so literally a a great time to get to know one another as well and so hope you would uh, want to come to that too and so if you want more information talk to me baby shower for Amber Maiden name Lightfoot, but now Hernandez, and so that is January 23rd of 2021. That's uh, this January 23rd from 2 to 4, and so Hector and Amber um, Hernandez are registered at Amazon. Their baby is due in February. They need diapers, and so uh, it's coming quick. If uh, For more information, you can contact Liz Pyron or Jacqueline Horan. They're kind of heading it up uh, for the baby shower there, and so uh, I hope you're able to celebrate with them. January 31st is our family Sunday. Looking forward to our first family Sunday that we're going to have and the the uniqueness of that. Hope you come. Men's breakfast and ladies' luncheon are hoping to resume back in February. And so, again, just trying to take it slow. But I hope this year we're able to get going back into a rhythm of of just uh, more normal, more uh, routine, but not in a bad way, in a good way, where we're continuing worshiping together, continuing to fellowship together. And so looking forward to that. Sunday nights is standing in the gaps. And so we started that a while back, um, several weeks ago. We pray for 10 different families every Sunday night. It's a blessing. Those that have come have already shared about how God has worked through that. The ones that we were praying for have already shared how God has worked through that. Um, it's, it's just like the bakers. Um, Eddie and Sandy just lost their, uh, so Eddie just lost his mom. We had the funeral yesterday. Two weeks, three weeks ago, we started praying for them. And, uh, and that's when she went into the hospital. And, and so it's just amazing how God's providence is all over this. And, and so Sandy said, you know, for the last three weeks, y'all have been praying for me, and I knew it, and we needed it. And so that's what we call standing in the gaps. Maybe that's a New Year resolution, stand in the gaps for our families. All right, today we are celebrating. We have a baptism today, and I'm so excited. Yeah, praise the Lord for that. And so... Uh, Rebecca Serato is actually the one being baptized, and we're so excited about celebrating this. And she said, you know, is there any way I can share with the church a little bit? And I said, absolutely. And, and she gave me what she wrote this morning. I read. I said, that's your testimony. Before we even walk through what a testimony is, she's sitting there sharing her testimony. She wanted to share that with you all this morning. So I'm going to go ahead and ask her if she'd come up and give her a moment to share her testimony with you. And then we're going to have the baptism a little bit later after some songs. And so this is exciting. I wrote it so I don't ramble. So so my name is Rebecca Serrato. I'm wife to Sebastian Serrato, daughter to Robert McCready, and mom to Serenity, Harmony, and Ariel. I would like to thank all of you for being here today and celebrating this moment with me. Before we get started, I would like to take a moment to explain how I made it to this point in my journey. 
In November of 2015, I started nursing school. I was excited, nervous, and scared. I had the help I needed from my parents to care for my children while I worked. I was one of the lucky ones when it came to my children and the help I received. However, I was unable to notice the blessings I had due to the emotions I was feeling at the time. I was working two full-time jobs to pay for school, and very soon after school started, the, the anxiety, fatigue, and stress hit me like a ton of bricks, and I struggled the rest of the way. I became angry, bitter, sad, and empty inside. I felt lost and alone. After nursing school was over, my husband took me one day to a church in Dallas, and I remember feeling like if I would have had the faith in God the way I should have had, then I would have been able to handle the feelings I had a little better. I know it was time to give my life to God, but I still struggled to do so. In February of last year, Ariel was admitted to the hospital. I found myself in this church sitting in the back row, scared and confused, waiting for the results of her test. I, s I sat back there knowing I needed God in my life, but I didn't know exactly how to accept him or what it, that even looked like. Jacqueline sat next to me, prayed with me, allowed me to cry, and gave me a hug. In that moment, I firmly believe God sent me an angel through her. I left feeling relieved a little and able to handle with, able to deal with whatever was fixing to come our way. On June 5th of last year, I went to the emergency room because I felt a little off. I did not know what it exactly was, but since I was a COVID nurse with a history of severe asthma, I wanted to be safe than sorry. When I arrived, the nurse told me I had a fever and I didn't look good. I remember thinking she was wrong because I didn't feel like I had a fever at all. I felt fine, except for feeling a little off. The doctor then told me later I had pneumonia and to get comfortable, I, was go I wasn't going anywhere. I was scared alone and struggling to breathe at this point. Now this part gets a little fuzzy to me, but I'm going to do my best to describe it to you. At some point during the night or morning, my condition worsened, I couldn't breathe, and I was intubated and transferred to the ICU. The last thing I remember clearly is giving the nurse my husband's phone number, asking her to tell him I love him, and explaining to her, and her explaining to me they were gonna put a tube down my throat to help me breathe and she, was going to, she wasn't going to leave my side. I woke up to another nurse two days later now, who I know, now think of as another of God's many angels. I remember her telling me, good morning, love bug, rise and shine, let's call hubby and get down, and get him down here. Today we're going to get the tube out. I'll never forget her cheerful demeanor. I had a long day that day. I failed my wean multiple times and I was tired. I remember telling Sebastian that I was tired and I couldn't, I couldn't fight any longer and I was ready to go back to sleep. In that moment, I was saying goodbye to my husband and telling him to take care of the girls, my daddy and my sister, and for him to always remember that I loved him. When the nurse came to put me back to sleep, I asked her to pray for me that I wasn't ready to die. In the moment, I cried, begging God to give me another chance to make my life right for him. Flashes of my babies came flooding to my mind, and I knew I needed to change. 30 minutes after praying, Sebastian was sitting next to me, and the nurse was going to give me the medicine to make me sleep. However, at that moment, the doctor came in and told her to take the tube out. 
I remember him distinctly saying that, what is the worst that can happen? I'd have to put it back in. Within five minutes, I was breathing, the tube was out, and I was breathing on my own, smiling at my husband and thanking God for the second chance at life he gave me. These moments in my life I have shared are the reasons I am the person I am today. God put multiple people in my life, my children, my parents, my husband, Jacqueline, and this nurse in my way for me to see I needed him, and I needed to learn how to trust him. Looking back on these memories, I see now that when I felt alone, I was never alone. I just needed to ask for help and trust that I, he, had, he had me. I stand before you today to celebrate the life I have today, to walk my life in God's shoes and allow myself to be put and allow myself to be one with God to fulfill his purpose for me. Amen. Thank you. It's been such a blessing to walk with this family through this transition, to walk through with them. To, I mean, that's a lot of crazy stuff that's been going on, but through it all, um, they recognized how God's been working and calling them. And so we're talking about that today. It's just awesome how your testimony just goes right with God's word today. And so I wanna just lift this family up. Father God, Lord, we are so grateful for you, uh, most importantly, Lord. God, I thank you for the sister in Christ that I now stand beside, Lord, and her celebration today, Lord, her baptism, God. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to do that, God. I pray for their family, for their children, Lord, for their, uh, for their dad, Lord, and for each one of them as they're in that house, God, um, wanting it to be a house that follows you and serves you, Lord. I lift that to you, God. Lord, may that be a testimony for each of us this year that we would all walk in your shoes, Lord. Lord, you would give us the shoes to walk in, God, to walk toward you, to walk with you, to walk one with you, Lord. Show us your purpose, Lord, for our lives. Lord, let us be one with you, Lord, and enjoy one another another in the fellowship you've given us in that unity lord we love you god we worship you today and and may that be exactly what happens pure worship today in the name of christ amen, amen. all right well if that don't get you stirred up ain't nothing going to this thing sure is loud in my ear okay that's a little better all right, this is going to be our birthday and anniversary song. If you would, stand with us. We'll sing both verses. I got a home in glory land and outshines the sun. I got a home in glory land and outshines the sun. I got a home in glory land and outshines the sun. Way beyond the blue. Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do. Savior, you take him to. I took Jesus as my Savior, you take him to. I took Jesus as my Savior, you take him to. While he's watching you. Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do remember me. Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do remember me. Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do remember me. Way beyond the blue. Oh, we're trying to make you 56. We're we trying to make you 56. Oh, okay. All right. All right, let's sing happy birthday. 
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right, well, let's try this again. <clears throat> See how this turns out.
Amen. All right, we
special day today with the baptism and the, the worship service that we had, God, and uh, Lord, I just, uh, again, I just pray that you just open hearts and ears and listen to Brother Jerry's message today and soon, and we ask you things your son's purpose. You got anything you want to say about this song? Okay. <laughs>
Words on the screen. If you hear some dry bones rattling this morning, let me hear you. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. This is a praise like a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. blessing. Uh, what a way to start a new year, right church? And the baptism. I hope this thing gets filled and stirred many, many, many more times in 2021. Amen church? I don't know if you recognize the lyrics that we just sang, but think about those lyrics for a moment. Dry bones rattling. What does that mean? It means that a person's dead, that they're walking dead in their sins and their trespasses, just as the Bible tells us. But then there's a day in which Christ comes in and breathes spirit, breathes the Holy Spirit into one's life. And those dry bones get life and they live again. Those words that we sing about opening up the grave and let me live again. That's the reality that we celebrate here today in this baptismal. And so I'm going to ask Rebecca if you would just come on down here, sister. If you come on down. And you've heard her testimony this morning. What a precious testimony that was. And I want you to think about that, though. Um, think about the words she shared with you. The moment that she was in the hospital bed, not knowing if she would ever even wake up to another day. And she just wanted the Lord to give her another chance. And, and the beauty of that is, is, is that the Lord showed up in a powerful way, sending people into her lives and showing her that it's not about her having to try harder. It's about him taking over her life. And that's what she wants to do is let him take over her life. And that's what she's done is putting her faith in Jesus Christ by his grace is saved. And today we celebrate that as a baptism and so I always relate it kind of like a wedding at the at the altar you give your vows there's a commitment made but then right after you have a reception and you celebrate that commitment made and so what we do here today is the vows have been made the commitment in which Christ gave her a new heart has happened but what happens today is we celebrate as a church and so when she comes under the water she's dying with Christ there's a symbol of dying with Christ and being raised to walk in newness of life and so we celebrate that as a church. So y'all know how we do that here. 
Alright, this next song is called Graves in the Gardens, and it's full of powerful lyrics. The second part of the bridge says, you turn graves into gardens, you turn bones into armies, you turn seas into highways, and you're the only one who can. The theme of the song is that God is an expert in taking what is broken and turning it into something beautiful. This is a truth seen time and time again in scripture, and I believe it's a powerful principle for us to hold on to during this COVID-19 crisis. Yes, there are a lot of unknowns, but God can take the broken situation and make something good out of it. Serves the world, but it couldn't fill me. A man's empty praise, treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came along and put me. Better 
Lord, there's nothing better than you. God, I feel the Holy Spirit moving in this place. Lord, uh, Lord, just let me reach out and touch this morning, God. God, we've already had one baptism. Let's have to fill the whole baptism up this morning, God. Lord, uh, you're mighty and you're awesome. And there's nothing better than you. And I just hope that uh, if there's one here today that don't know that, God, I just pray that you show them that that's what it is. One, two, praise the Lord, church. Can I hear a praise the Lord? Oh, I can't think of a better way than to start out 2021 than to worship through baptism, through the celebration of life, and to sing about it, to rejoice with one another in that, to partner with. I pray that you would get to know Rebecca and, and her whole family, that you'd get to know them, hear their story from a personal standpoint. Get in there and talk to her. Pray for her. Pray for her family. It's so exciting when God is on the move. He's a way maker. We've talked all about that this morning, sung about it, and so praise God. All right, so the last four weeks we've been going through a series called the, the I've got so much humming. Check one, two. We're going to get these mics figured out, church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for what he's doing in our praise team, too. You noticed we got rid of the monitors they're doing in-ears, and so it's exciting stuff to allow them to be able to, to, to work through that better so each one can, can hear their own self, and that way uh, they just feel more confident in worshiping the Lord with you, leading us in that worship. So praise God. You might want to mute this one. I don't know if this one's going. Anyways. All right. I saw that. All right, the last four weeks through December, we've been looking at the names of the born child. And I want to talk through that just a minute. What an exciting time that was to look at and be reminded that we have a God who is a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's, he's also an everlasting father. We also saw that he's our prince of peace. And so we've spent all that time going through that. Very exciting. But today we're jumping back into what we call the gospel in motion. This idea of walking through the book of Acts. Y'all remember we spent the whole last year doing that, going through all the way from Acts chapter 1 all the way to Acts chapter 20. We made a pretty good run at it. We got eight chapters left in the book of Acts. 
But before we get there, we've been jumping off as Paul's been going to all these different places and he's writing these letters. Then we're jumping off into those letters. So we've also went through 1 Thessalonians. We've went through 2 Thessalonians. And now we've even went through Galatians. And so today we pick up at 1 Corinthians. And I'm excited, church, to go through 1 Corinthians with you. I feel like God has something awesome planned for us as we go through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and we look through this. To do that, though, I want to give you just a little bit of context. We got a little context from Acts. You remember he went there on his second missionary journey, and he spent three years in Corinth. I mean, a year and a half in Corinth, 18 months. And then he goes back to Antioch, and he eventually comes back around, and he goes to Ephesus, and he spends three years in Ephesus. And it's interesting, as he's going to Ephesus, there's a guy by the name of Apollos that leaves Ephesus and goes to Corinth. And he stays, Paul stays in Ephesus for three years then. And so in this mix of time, something's going on. The church is, 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 of course, it was growing, but there's also been some tension and some disunity that started to build up. And so Paul is a pastor here. He's, he's got a pastor heart. And so he's going to write this church in Corinth. And he's going to really um, just lay it all out there. And, and so we get that from Acts. But when you read the letters, these two letters, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, you learn a little bit more context. And so instead of going through all that and showing you, I'm just going to tell you, it seems as if there's a letter that was wrote before 1 Corinthians. In fact, we know there is because Paul says, there was a letter I wrote to you before this one. And that's in 1 Corinthians that he says that. And so we know that there's a lost letter. But what we also put together as we look at these two books of the, the Bible is it kind of works like this. He spent 18 months there. Paul goes then to Ephesus, spends the three years there. Apollos goes to Corinth. But then we see that, that um, while he's in Ephesus, he writes these letters first and second Corinthians. And so what happens is Paul gets a letter from Corinth while he's in Ephesus. And we don't have that letter, but he gets a letter from them. And we know that because in 1 Corinthians, he says, hey, regarding the things you asked me in the letter you wrote me, here's what I want to tell you. And so there was a letter from Corinth sent to Paul. And then Paul responds to, to them. That's 1 Corinthians. And then we have another short visit. It's called the sorrowful visit, which we don't get in Acts, but Paul says he went there. Then he writes a really harsh, a sharp, a severe letter that we don't have back to them hard letter. He, he mentions it in his second letter. And then in the second letter that we get as 2 Corinthians is, is when he sent that harsh letter to Titus with Titus 2 there. Titus comes back and gives them good news about how they're following Christ and how all this reproving and rebuking and correcting is, has been a blessing and what God is doing in the midst of that. And so then that's where 2 Corinthians comes in. So I know that's a lot, but I want to just give you kind of the overshadow of what's going on here. We get these two of possible four Pauline letters, but again, these two letters is what the Holy Spirit has providently given us for us today as we're going through. And God wants to do something mighty in what we have today. I'm, I know it. I'm so excited about it. And so I pray that instead of seeing these letters, as we often do, as just a lot of harsh rebuke. You know, parents um, reprove and rebuke their children, don't they? But they do that out of a love and a heart for their child. And that's what Paul's doing here. As we get to that, it's out of a love. In fact, he says, I've been through everything. I've been through shipwrecks and, and I've been through pains of, of, of sufferings and beatings and starving and being thirsty. I've been through it all. But the greatest burden, the greatest concern on my heart is the churches. And so that's the pastor's heart that we get as we read 1 Corinthians. But before we get to the reprove and the rebuking that he's going to go through, I want us to get the tone that Paul is setting in the first two chapters of this letter. 
In fact, I believe there's a very clear message that I hope you hear today. And that message is this. We are His, church. We are His. We are God's. Let that sink in. Don't just hear that and say, "Uh uh-huh, I know that. Let that sink in that we are His. That He has called us. He has chosen us. He has set us apart. He has sanctified us. He has redeemed us. He He has brought a way about to allow us to be blameless in the day of the Lord. He has brought righteousness in our life. And He does it all through what He calls the power of God, which is the gospel. Church, if there's one thing I want you to hear before you leave here is that we are His. Let that sink into you this morning, that we are His. The first point this morning is we are His because He called us into Christ. Look at chapter 1, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sothenes, our brother, right off the bat. We see the providence of God. It says, Paul, and it says, through the will of God. Don't let that sneak by you. Through the will of God. I've called an apostle. But he says he called you to, look at verse 2. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who are in every place, call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. That you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance. He means by in the whole message. In all knowledge. Verse 6. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. So that you come no, not short and no gift. Eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who will also confirm you to the end. Praise God. That you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul says you are sanctified. Called to be saints. In other words, what he's getting at is, is, is you are set apart. The word in which he uses at the beginning, he says to the church at Corinth, literally is a word that means the called out people. The ones that have been set apart, the ones that have been called out. He says you called out people. And he references the local church there in Corinth. But then he says and connects them to the whole kingdom of God. He says in every place that calls on the name of Jesus. Isn't it exciting church that we are connected together committed together serving as a local church here at friendship baptist church but then god also by the name of jesus has brought us into unity with a whole gospel church in the world that we have brothers and sisters in pakistan in china in india in all these different places in that awesome church every place that calls on the name of jesus he says to the church And then he makes the sins even, he makes more sense as he goes on. He says, to the church who are sanctified, called saints. He says, to the called out people who are set apart, be called the people who are set apart. That's literally what it says. What's he getting at here? You are called by God. You are his. May we start our new year, church, with this point that we are his. As we go into February and March and keep on going all the way through this year that we recognize one thing that we are his not just are they set apart for any reason but set apart in Christ and then he goes on to say how he says we're called by the grace of God 
not called due to anything we've done ourselves, but by the grace of God, by His grace. And to put that into perspective, who are we all without Jesus? Well, the Bible tells us clearly who we are without Jesus. We're, we're born in sin, it tells us. It tells us that we've fallen short from the glory of God. It tells us that we are enemies of God. It tells us that we're deserving of death, that we're unrighteous, unable to be made righteous anyway on our own. It tells us that spiritually we are destitute, blind, unclean, and dead. Church, that's not a place that I want to be. It's not a place I want to see our loved ones that are in our community be. It's not a place I want to see complete strangers across the world be. I want them to know Christ. I want them to experience grace because grace came in my life and God extended his favor to me. He extended it to us. Grace is what brings salvation. Grace brings victory over sin. It brings eternal encouragement and a great hope, the Bible tells us. This is grace. It justifies us before a holy God. Grace preserves us and comforts us. And the greatest comfort comes in that next verse in verse 8, that God will sustain us to the end making us blameless. He will sustain us. I love that because what that means is in Rebecca's words, getting put into God's shoes, going toward him. What that means is when he puts you in those shoes, he's the one that keeps you in those shoes. Now we start to veer off, absolutely, I understand that, but he keeps you in those shoes. He's going to hold you to a place that no one can pluck you out of the Father's hand. It tells us that in the scriptures. Praise God, he sustains us, it tells us. And then verse 9 reminds us of the one who called us. It says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we are called into Christ. Second point I want you to see is because we are his, he pleads with us to be united in Christ. And so pick up in verse 10. If you're there, say amen. Here's what it says. Now I plead with you. That's the language he uses. I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. He says, this is my desire that we be united. Church, let us be united. I thought and thought about what way to start 2021. May we be united in the fact that we are His church. That's Paul's plea. He says, be united of the same mind, of the same judgment. But he says, I know it's not happening. Look at verse 13, or 11, I mean. He says, for it has been declared to me concerning you, my brother, and by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? He says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. Verse 15, lest anyone should say that I have baptized them in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect so here we see in Corinth he says I've heard there's dissension among you there's disunity among you he says I desire you to have one mind one judgment to be united in Christ Jesus he says but Chloe's household they've told me that it's not happening that you're struggling with it 
He says, here's the very words that you're saying out of your own mouth. I am of Paul. I'm of Paulus. I'm of Cephas. I'm of Christ. I'm of all these different people. And he says, is Christ, is he, is he divided? He says, Apollos doesn't have part of Christ, and, and, and Paul doesn't have this part of Christ, and Cephas doesn't have this part of Christ, and they all have their own, and you, you, you connect with that one. He says, no, Christ is one. We have one Lord. He says, he's not divided. Sometimes we do this, though, don't we, church? We identify more with the messenger and their ministry than we do with the message of Christ. At Friendship, I pray and I pray and I pray that this place would never be about a messenger that stands behind this pulpit. That it wouldn't be about Brother Jerry. That it wouldn't be about Brother Lynn. Or it wouldn't be about the next pastor that God brings in whenever he brings it in. That, that we wouldn't be about a messenger, but we would be about the message of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen, church? May we not say, I'm of so-and-so, but I am of Christ. He says, is Christ divided? No, he's not. He says, was Paul crucified for you? In other words, Jesus was the one crucified. It wasn't none of us. It was Christ that suffered on the cross. It was Christ that was humiliated. It was Christ that gave his last breath for you. It was Christ that raised from the grave. It was Jesus. Stop connecting with these other men before you connect with Christ. Church, may this year, 2021, be a year that you connect with Jesus. He goes on and says, were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now, I want us to not misunderstand what Paul's saying here. He's not saying that baptism isn't important. He says, I, I wasn't brought, Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. He says, he's not belittling baptism. Baptism was occurring. He just had a team of co-workers that were baptizing them. It wasn't that they weren't doing baptisms. It was that the, Paul was saying, I hardly baptized any of you. I did Stephanus and, and Gaius and, 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 and I think the other one was Cephas. He says, I, I baptized a few of them, but, but outside of that, I don't even know who I baptized. And I'm glad because I don't want you connecting your baptism with me. Church, may this be true of us too, that we, we be reminded of this. That when we get baptized like today with Rebecca, that it wasn't about me doing the baptism. It wasn't about the place doing the baptism. I'm just a dunker. That's all I am. It's not about the place. It's not about this water. That's just water. It's about who you're baptized into, which is Jesus Christ. May we remember that church. Being Jesus, that's the one that we are baptized in. So there was tension, there was contention, there was confusion over this. So Paul's writing them, addressing it. And the one thing that conquers dissension every time is the gospel. He goes on in verse 18, if you're there, say amen. He says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since then the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God, though, that the, through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews requested a sign and Greeks sought after wisdom. But we preached Jesus Christ crucified. 
to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, listen to the language, who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Praise God. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Praise God. Paul is saying the gospel is considered foolishness to those perishing. He says, but to those that are called, whoever you are, those that are called, he says, it is the power of God. It's the same language Paul uses in Romans. You remember in Romans when he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I want us to recognize when we use that word, we're jumping back into the series, the gospel in motion. When we talk about the word gospel, when we mention the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, well, something that was planned since the beginning of time, when we talk about the gospel, it is a powerful thing. It has the power to free you from sin. It has the power to break those strongholds in your life. It has the power to restore marriages. It has the power to turn this country around. It has power when we talk about the gospel, church. May we remember that the gospel is the power of God. It's not something in our hands. It's His hands that He flows through us. The power of God. He says in verse 21, God used the foolishness of the message Christ crucified. To save those who believe. God just kind of did one of those things where he says, hey, this might not make any sense to you. It might even seem foolish to you. But I'm going to save the entire world through it. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Don't we have an awesome God, church? Jews wanted a sign, but Paul preached the gospel. He preached Christ crucified. They could have received the greatest sign there ever was. They could have looked at the cross and saw the greatest sign of hope and courage and victory by looking at that cross like me and you do today. But instead, they stumbled over it. The Greeks, they sought wisdom. And instead of receiving the very wisdom from God, being Christ himself, they, they, they struggled through it. They thought it foolishness. But to those called Jews and Greeks, Christ crucified is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Since we are called, since that's the language it uses, since we are called, set apart, that God is grace, is doing something in our lives, we have no reason to glory in ourselves. Rather, we should glory in the Lord. That's what it's getting at, this very next point that we... We glory in Him. I pray, church, that as this new year comes, I know every one of us set resolutions. Mine's to lose weight. And by the way, y'all that hadn't been here in a little bit, that you're just getting back into it, I lost 50 pounds, I promise you. I really did. It's just all back. <laughs> so I have a new year's resolution. Lose more weight. I'm sure every one of us have some kind of resolution, some kind of goal, but my prayer is, is that this year... We don't do those things to glory in ourselves, but we would do it so that God would get glory. That we would say, Lord, I've tried this over and over again like I have. And say, God, would you do something that you may get glory in my life from? Look at 1 Corinthians 1.26. If you're there, say amen. It says, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. 
and the base things of the world and which things were, are, which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. Verse 30, I love. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, which is righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. He says to you Gentiles who sought wisdom, because he's writing to Corinth, Gentile people, he says, you sought wisdom. Don't let it be foolishness to you. He says, know that God is calling. And know that it's not foolish, that that this is the very wisdom from God, is the language he uses there in verse 30. And he says, this is how he's the wisdom of God. He says, he's righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He uses three tenses of our salvation. In Christ, we have a standing of righteousness that we are freed from the penalty of sin. But then he goes on this process of sanctification. We're continuing to be brought more holy and to be set aside through sanctification. We are freed from the power, being freed from the power of sin. And then redemption is this completeness of of when Christ returns, we will see true, complete redemption, church. I look forward to that day. True redemption in which we shall be saved from the presence of sin. Praise the Lord that we are united and that we are his. May we hear his plea today. My last point this morning is may we remember that we were called to be his and that he still calls others to be his through the gospel, which is the power of God. The same language. Through the gospel, which is the power of God. Chapter 2, if you're there, say amen. amen. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Oh, I love this chapter in Corinthians. It sets a tone for us, church. It reminds us of how he shared the gospel with them, that 18 months that he was there with them. He says, I shared it with you in a humble way. Not with excellence of speech. I just told you about Jesus and him crucified. I just told you the simple truth of the cross. But it wasn't about the persuasion of words. He says more so it was a demonstration of the spirit and of power. In other words, he says, I came to you with truth. And I trusted the spirit to show himself. That's what he's saying here. I came to you with the simple truth of Christ. And I trusted the Spirit to reveal himself to you. Remember this, church. It's, if you're listening, say, I'm listening. It is not about our experience or ability. As we share Christ, as we serve the Lord, as we serve the bride of Christ, it is not about our experience or ability. It's about the work of the Spirit of God. It's not about persuasion of words. It's about a demonstration of the Spirit of God. It's not a performance of ability and, a, and, and, and experience. It's, it's a demonstration of the Spirit at work. So when we share the gospel, people are not putting their faith in our excellent, persuasive explanation of the gospel. 
when we share the gospel, people are putting their faith in the one who is calling them into that faith through his own revelation of who he is, done by the Spirit. Oh, church, isn't that a blessing? That when we leave this place and we share Christ, that we know that we just share the simple story and he does the rest? That doesn't mean we're lazy and we do an in, a poor job and we, we don't study the scriptures and see it. We, we don't share something we don't know. We let the Spirit reveal it to us and we share it. And he's doing the same thing to them. Look at the next verse, chapter 2, verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are matured, yet not the wisdom of the age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord our glory. But as it is written, eyes have not seen, nor ears have heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Again, through the gospel, God chooses to reveal his wisdom. He says it was ordained, it was predetermined before the beginning of time. This has always been God's work. It's always been God's plan. Then it says, though, that we see God demonstrate this revelation. I just want to, this is the last thing here. He does this. He demonstrates his own revelation to us through the gospel. And he does that through and by his spirit and by through his word. And so, first off, look at verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. So it's through his spirit he reveals himself. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So the first thing, the spirit searches or the spirit knows the deep things of God. Just like as I look at Ralph, I really don't know the deep things of Ralph. I know what he shares with me. But only Ralph and his own self knows the deep things of Ralph and his own self. And the same is true with God. Only God himself knows the deep things of God. His own spirit knows those things and it searches those things. And then the blessing comes. Because not only does he search and he knows it, but then he reveals it to us. Because the spirit is one with the father and he's one with the son. And he brings us in one with them. And so what happens next is verse 12. Now we have received Receive not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that we have been freely given by God. We've received it. He gives it to us, the spirit, and reveals those secret things. Verse 13, these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but with the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Again, the Holy Spirit here now continues to teach those spiritual things after we've received him. We have a great lesson here the things of the spirit are shown to those who have the spirit have you ever realized it's like talking to a wall sometimes when you're talking to a lost person i don't mean that disrespectful i mean it as truth you can't get through they just don't understand what you're trying to communicate it's because only the spirit can show the things of the spirit and so when you find yourself in that situation stop shaking them and telling them to get smarter start shaking the spirit and say spirit would you show it to them Show it to them. Let the Spirit reveal it. The Bible says that God is Spirit, so a natural man can't even know about God, according to this. 
the things of God and God himself, his ways, his purposes, all that is shown through the Spirit, by the Spirit. Verse 16, and then for who has known the mind of the Lord that, has, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So lastly, as the Spirit teaches those things of the Spirit, he matures us into having the same mind with Christ. Church, we who are in Christ are his. Amen? We are called, chosen, set apart, sanctified, redeemed, made righteous, given a standing of blamelessness in the day of the Lord through the power of God, which is the gospel. My question today is, do you hear him calling your name? Do you hear him calling your name? I've talked all morning about him calling us. Do you hear him calling you? Do you see the demonstration of the power of God this morning? The demonstration of the power of God in which he's shown himself through his word, through the preaching of his word, through the baptism and the testimony of that, through her testimony words, through whatever way of hearing and singing praises to the Lord, have he revealed himself and called you today? Oh, I pray that you might say, yes, I hear him. What do I do then? Well, if you hear him calling your name today, what you do is the same thing that people have done this entire time all the way through the book of the Bible. Abraham was called from a pagan place, not of himself, but by God's grace, and he was told to come, leave everything and come. Peter was called as he stood at his boat, and Jesus said, drop your nets and follow me. If you hear the words of the Lord saying, I'm calling you today, what do you do? Drop it all and say, yes, I'm following you. I want to put my faith in you, Lord. Give me the faith to put in you. I want you to change my heart, Lord. Let that spirit be put in me and, and change me, Lord. Give me the mind of Christ. And for each one of us, whether that is a newly born child of God or one that's been a child of God for years, may we rejoice in the simple fact this year that we are His. Heavenly Father, Lord, You are mighty, Lord. Oh God, I just praise You. I thank You for the opportunity this morning to worship with exuberance, Lord. And I don't even know if that's a word, but Lord, You know my heart as I just think about the way we've been able to worship today. Lord, through song and through baptism and testimony and through the preaching of your word, Lord, may you be glorified through it all, God. But Lord, I pray that in that glory, it says in the scriptures that you call us that we might share in your glory. And so, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that those here today that are hearing would not hear my voice, but they would hear the call of Jesus on their life, on their heart right now. Lord, if you're doing that work in their heart right now, work in their mind right now, Lord, save them today. Show them that salvation comes by your grace. Lord, for us that have heard that call and responded to that call by your grace, Lord, give us more and more abundant growing faith to walk with you this year. May we come before you in this time of response. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Another invitation I was going to sing, but uh, I think we're going to go back to Graves in the Garden. Of course, Graves in the Garden, because everything that Brother Jay talked about this morning, it's all about God.
the core to his heart. church there ain't anything better than him is there i'm gonna ask y'all if y'all would just come up here just for a second show your pretty faces well most of the pretty faces this is ralph and amanda bennett and you got leland and grant here as well and they're wanting to join our church they've been through friendship 101 um, they've uh, walked through, I uh, believe firmly that they uh, know Christ and want to serve Christ. And I'm excited about the way that looks like in our church. They'll be transferring their letter from First Baptist Church in Malakoff. And so um, I just need a, a, a vote on that. So I need a, a motion. Jacqueline has gave a motion. I need a second. Roy Schultz gave a second. All in favor, say amen. 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 All right. Normally, yeah, there we go. 
Normally, I'd have y'all come shake hands with COVID and everything. We're not doing that. But if you would, just find them sometime on your own. Get to know their stories. Reach out on Facebook, their own Facebook, and the, the directory even. I don't know. Uh, I don't think y'all are in there yet, are you? Well, y'all just get their number somehow or another. I'll give it to you. Is that okay? Okay. <laughs> we love y'all. I'm going to ask, uh, let's see. Would you close this in a word of prayer, Michael?